Welcome to Center Stage. My name is Mark Gordon. On this show, we're going to talk with Svetlana Svetko and David Scott Smith, the creative people behind the film, Show Me What You Got. The film follows three strangers who randomly meet and embark upon an adventure, exploring the freedom of youth, unconditional love, and breaking the boundaries of the traditional relationship. Center stage, center stage, center, center, center stage. Center stage. Tell me about the genesis of this project. It all started with wanting to tell a story that was really honest portrayal of life. The other really big thing for me was that I wanted to make, tell a story about a woman who really was comfortable about her desires and what she was comfortable with saying yes and what she was comfortable saying no, but also wanting to explore um, unconventional love and, uh, and tell a story in a different way and that you know, I haven't seen as much being portrayed, portrayed in cinema in, in these times. And then adding to that was really also using my skills as, as a cinematographer, which you know, I come from a lot of documentaries and I do shoot a lot of cinema verite and I really wanted to uh, use that to my advantage where um, I would be uh, filming and making this, uh, telling this story in a cinema verite style where we really blur the lines of film and reality and try to be as honest as we could be telling this story. What the film did for me when I watched it, I thought, I remember those days when I had that freedom. Even though the world was scary and I worried about things, but it, it were those moments where you could just have an adventure. And you've got three, three people that just meet randomly and uh, they go on this, uh, this beautiful adventure. And there's also an enormous amount of innocence in the movie. Thanks for saying that. That's exactly where, where this is. Is that that very special time in our lives, and that that happens, you know, for different people at different times. But uh, late twenty something, it seems like it happens for a lot of us, where we are the moment uh, of uh, kind of crossing into adulthood. But we have that 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 opportunity to explore and uh, to be free and to um, take chances of something that maybe later on in life we would overthink. And in this time of our life, we just react instinctively. David, how did you get involved in the film? Uh, well, I've been a creative partner of Svetlana's uh, for several of her projects. Um, and so, you know, I think that I'm probably her first uh, idea what is that term? A spark of an idea type of person. You know, she has this like, glint in her eye. I can see it. And she she runs over and says, hey, you know, I was thinking about and uh, and then we just kind of build it from there. And so um, so uh, it was natural for me to be involved because I've been involved with her before. You know, originally it was just kind of conceiving and talking. And then um, I have experience as a producer in addition to my editing experience. And so we talked about whether that would make sense or not. And obviously it did. And so uh, then when we got working with the actors, you know, because there was a, a large amount of time where we were just talking and conceiving and working with, you know, we got the actors early in the process. And so uh, we were working story through them and uh, I was involved in that. And then we ended up co-writing together and, and I produced the shoot and also edited the film. So uh, I've been there from the beginning. 
It's interesting the way you describe that because when I see your expression and the language that you're using, it's almost as if you're one of those characters in the film. It's like, <laughs> let's do this. Let's, and right. and uh, it, it really redefines what it means to be in a relationship. And Svetlana, you talked about, about this notion of um, your female character is very empowered. She's not objectified. Even, the, even the, the relationships with the men. You have one guy who's a, he's a karate expert, kind of a macho guy, but then we see he's just open for anything. All the characters are. They're open to experience this thing and to, and to grow, and, and not, not necessarily an easy relationship to cultivate with three people. It was such a delicate thing that uh, even in editing, you know, we constantly were treading that very thin line because just one scene could, you know, shift in one way, this way or that way, and, and the balance would get, you know, it wouldn't be there anymore. And it was something that we were so wary throughout the whole film and always were checking in that that never, never gets off balance, that we uh, keep this relationship uh, equal and free for, for all. Uh, the only way this kind of relationship work are when it's uh, everybody's on board, everybody's comfortable, it, it's okay for everybody. And, you know, I, I know several people, and actually it turns out that several people on our crew were uh, either previously or currently where we were filming in polyamorous relationships. And that was something that we explored a lot and talked about that it is not what a, a commonly in society we think is like about three people just getting in bed, that it's actually so much more about love and care and uh, acceptance uh, of each other and how everybody in that type of relationship has a respect and acknowledgement. And then the day they doesn't work for one of them anymore for whatever circumstances, that's when it's over. But it had everybody has to be free and open and comfortable and wanting that kind of a relationship. But that, that was very special um, uh, finding out uh, during our filming, uh, there was a specific um, crew member that um, didn't share with us in the beginning. Uh, but really wanted to work on the film and then later told us. And I found that quite interesting um, that in times where we feel like that we can talk about uh, our sexuality, our partners, our relationships. And, but even those are always monogamous. But as soon as we broke that monogamous into polyamorous, um, that is where socially uh, we are not comfortable anymore, including to this particular um, person who only at the end of the film chose to share. And I felt like, well, even more important for this film to be out. I wonder if it's uh, the state of our world today with COVID-19, where we're removed from society, basically, we have to self-isolate, that people are getting to a point where I'm gonna be more open and honest about what I want because mm -hmm. what do I really have to lose anymore? Why am I waiting? It's like, what, what am I waiting for? And, and I think that's what's exciting about you and David making the film. You didn't wait to get this story out there and your characters don't wait to experience that. And it's not like your characters aren't a little bit tarnished maybe or a little bit damaged. They all have, they all have issues, 
But what's interesting is when they're in the relationship, all that other stuff is kind of out there. It's like a, it's it, it's like a, a storm cloud that could be coming, but it's still a ways away so we can enjoy the sunshine. I love that metaphor you say. It's like, you know, that scene when they run towards the beach where it's just really the beginning of this, like, really good times. And uh, uh, there were these most incredible, darkest, stormiest clouds that I think I ever seen in LA. And I so much was like, you know, it was like tilting that camera and making sure that, you know, the happiest moment, but these darkest clouds that are coming over. <laughs> it was a big metaphor for me to kind of where this film is going to go. You talked about... Uh you know, the, the shoot and the variete style. Um, that must have been, tell me about those challenges that you had because doing these intimate scenes, these intimate uh, scenes where they're in making love, how do you build that trust with the actors? We talked a lot about it. We shared who is comfortable with what, but then we took it further. We took it further to who is in the room and who are the crew members that had to be in a room or not. And uh, we pared it down to minimum, down to even a choice with, from the actors who is gonna be our camera assistant and focus puller who was gonna be watching the monitor. Even David wasn't watching the monitor. Nobody was watching the monitor. So I was opening the camera. Camera was, the whole film was done off my shoulder. There hasn't been one tripod shot in a whole movie. And uh, I made it as a rule as we were starting. I told my camera assistant, we can't even have it in the back of the car or truck. Like it just cannot happen because there will be a day where I would just feel like it is better to put on a tripod and I will not have a tripod on set. What that created is uh, intimacy of a camera and me in some way where I was uh, almost another participant. Those were the pluses. Those were amazing moments where I would just, you know, push my camera uh, uh, off my shoulder. We would have the conversation this close to each other, like face to face, adjust what we are doing, just bringing camera back on and doing it again and again. There were challenges, obviously, you know, when uh, you're holding the camera for 12 hours a day on the shoulder on the end of the day and you have to go and do the wide shot. At some midpoint, they were saying, maybe we should really consider getting an opera. I was like, no, not at this time. You're like, no, I'm going to, it would lose everything we have built so far. I knew I had to push it to the end. I love the black and white. And it really reminds me, because in some ways, it could be this perspective of that that girl who's a photographer. Because black and white photography is just, it, there's something so vibrant about it. You know, we talked a lot about how these actors have a particular look, how they look timeless. You know, they look from a different era, but they're from now, you know? And so we kind of, we wanted to extrapolate that idea to everything about the film. And and it felt like we needed to do black and white. And uh, that that was, that's part of the sensation of black and white in a way is, you know, Solana's mentioned, you know, if you, if you point the camera at a room and you look at it in color, you can kind of tell the era that you're in. You can tell the, um, even maybe the country that you're in or the culture that you're in, you know, there's certain triggers in color that when you don't have them, you don't have that connection. You don't have that association. And so there's something completely different about black and white. As we talked, we want it to be timeless, but we also want it to feel like a memory. How do you combine timeless and memory? You know, when I think of the memory, how we see the memory, and that was the conversation we had a lot. We feel mm -hmm. like we see it in black and white. 
it seems as if uh, color fills in the space. And with black and white, it's like reading a book. You fill in the space in your mind. And with black and white, in some ways, it forces someone to see things, to fill in that, fill in mm -hmm. that space. It's very different to make a commitment from the beginning and make a film in black and white. The filming is about ratios, contrast, patterns, lines, you know, where in color, you know, you're blending and uh, color matching and, you know, designing. And um, so it's, a, it's a, two very different things. So we were monitoring, we were filming. Uh, our cameras were set on black and white. We were monitoring black and white. We actually never turned the color on. While we were filming, we only were filming this film in black and white. Love the soundtrack. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's so great. Yes. It just all, it just all fits nicely. I met Avery, uh, Eric Avery to his father, who, who is an actor, and uh, at one of the you know, Academy um, uh, screenings, and he said, you know, you should you should meet my son. And uh, I was at that point, yeah, yeah, I'm looking for a composer, but yeah, that's probably not going to work out. And um, he insisted we should meet, and we did. As two artists, we just kind of decided for love for, for of his father to have coffee together, and we met for coffee. And he was asking me about the film, and I said, you know, I'll just send it to you. And he watched it immediately, and then he sent me. Um, this track, there's something that he put together. And he said, this is so bizarre. You're gonna really be thrown off. I don't know why I felt like I needed to send you this, but here it is. That was the music that's in Joshua Tree. And I was listening, it was like, this is nothing I would have ever thought, but I knew that was gonna be it. And that was gonna stay in the film. And it was like, okay, so this is so strange, but it is so beautiful and it is so right. What else can we do? And um, I am genuinely in love with our soundtrack. I think I it couldn't have complimented better than what it did for this film. Had you been to Joshua Tree before? Because those those sequences and yes. that boat, they're sitting on that boat. The first thing I thought, it reminded me of Noah's Ark. And then they referenced that in the movie because it just yes. looks like that. And then yes. that man that's just out he's out lives there in the middle of nowhere and i know it's a very popular place for artists to go that campsite is uh is a place uh it's called the desert yacht club uh, alessandro and i can't remember his last name right now but he runs it and uh, he actually our actors had stayed there um and so when we were talking about we want to get you out of the city to a different place they immediately suggested Alessandro's place, the Desert Yacht Club, and uh, and upon seeing it, it was just, this has to be the place. And then we, we had a really big challenge because we shot the Italy part, part first, uh, um, because we were all in Europe, and then we were gonna regroup when we come back and then start and do, you know, do everything in LA. And then, uh, because we had to take over the whole campsite, you know, it's, he can't have any other guests and he gave us two days it was the only two days that we could film and we just came back from italy and we knew this was going to be our like first big you know intimacy scene and we were like gosh are we ready can we can we get going and we we're like well we got no option if we want to shoot on these days this is what we do so we did it and in a way it was just perfect because from that on like we were so in sync and you know 
our trust was validated among each other and we were able to just continue in a really seamless way. Seems like trust is a through line for the whole film and the experience. As an artist, when did you give yourself permission to trust your instinct? That's a good question. That's a really good question. And probably fairly early on. And um, there was, a, even as a cinematographer, there was, um, when I shot my first uh, short film, and that film went to Sundance and Berlinale, and you know, um, it was nominated for student Oscars. Uh, it was shortlisted for student Oscar. Um, I talked to a filmmaker friend, and they said to, to me words that I remember to this day. On the end of your career, when you someday you're going to look back, it is not going to be about how much money this film made. It's not going to be about what happened or that particular, were you in this festival or that festival. It's going to be, this is your first work. Was there something really special in it or not? Did you already express what you're about or not? And that's the only way that is gonna be looked at. And um, I think I have embraced that from that time and been carrying on. And um, every time I'm in dilemma or I'm having a moment about, well, should we be in this path or should we have achieved this or that? I look at the film and actually last night, <laughs> but David and I watched the film because he just got on the Academy platform. Everybody said, I, I was saying, I love my film. I know I'm going to be proud of it no matter years later that anybody screams as my film. I was like, that was the main goal. That is the only thing I could go by. And I embraced that actually fairly early on. David, what about you? Uh, I was only going to add the caveat that it's, uh, for me at least, it's a daily struggle to give yourself permission to, uh, to follow your instincts. Uh, so I love the question. That's a beautiful question. And I love Svetlana's answer. Uh, for me, though, it's a, it's a daily challenge to, to, to give myself permission. David, um, make sure that we all are allowed to have that space and uh, time and creativity that we need. And he's just the safety net for all of us that has been constantly protecting us, trying to make sure that this film gets to be where it, where it is right now, from producing yeah. down to editing. And that's so important because being an artist is a dangerous place. Yes. And it's good to have someone that has that love and compassion and nurturing to, to give you that freedom to do that. And um, that's absolutely what they was, uh, you know, it's one thing that he also from financial side and making sure that we are answering to our, you know, wonderful other co-producer and investor, you know, Nick Sarkisov and Sergei Sarkisov. And, but then at the same time was about being a creative producer who is constantly there for us, allowing us where we kind of want to overstep our, you know, uh, uh, our space and making sure that that you know he he can keep that safe place for all of us and and still allow us to do that. There were there were definitely mornings when we would drink a lot of espressos, and like I could see David going like we just gotta go, we we just gotta go, and we are, we are still on our espressos and we are like discussing the scene and and kind of finding that time is like this is the morning that you guys keep drinking these espressos, but or there is a time where like. Like 
we're just going to have to go and making that decision on a daily basis. I know you've been asked a lot of questions because you've been doing a lot of press for this. And I'm just curious, and if you can share with me, what's the one thing that you would like to be asked about this film that no one has thought to ask you? Oh, <laughs> I'm going to have to become a faster thinker because <laughs> they haven't been asked. How did I change? Because so of how did, how did, so what did you learn and how did you change from this experience? Yeah. I don't think anybody asked me personally how I changed. So how did you change? This um, is a good one. I can tell. <laughs> well, there's a couple of things that happened. Um, my father passed away um, a few weeks before we started filming. And um, that was a huge mark. And we were almost considering not going forward. Um, I was in Europe. I, I didn't know if I could get in a headspace to actually get going. Also making a film that it is about end of life and uh, you know new life and, and hope. It definitely affected me. It def definitely between the, my dad passing and making this film where I so deeply care about this particular character that you know we lose made me reevaluate my own life, not just personally, but also uh, professionally and everything else that I do, but mostly on my personal life in terms of how much I value relationships that are in my life right now and uh, where I want to and respect and, um, and absor absorb the time. Nothing is forever. And nothing, you know, we always want to make sure that something, if this is the right thing and is this going to last forever? Well, we don't know if we're going to have it forever. Uh, what it means is like, is it the most beautiful thing you have right now in your life? And if it is, that's what you take because you do not know if you're going to even be around, uh, you know, a month after or a year after. And that's what I learned out of this film. I wonder if it changed because you had the script and then you start shooting the film and then these events happen because there is that with the characters. Um, Nassim, he, his father wants him to come back to, uh, was it Iran? And, uh, and then you know, there are a lot of, a lot of the challenges. The, the one character, uh, he, this woman says that he might be the father of her child. And even the, the young woman who was living in the nursing home. And I wonder if, if with all this thing, the intention of the film changed and became a little bit more personal for you. Yes, absolutely. I would say yes. Another part of the film is that I really related to this character personally, characters personally, uh, being an immigrant myself in us and i have this huge you know filmmaking family friends wonderful people around me there are times where especially around holidays that i don't have that family unit that alone thing you know my family unit comes down to you know two people or three or three people you know 
and that is where people have cousins and you know people they went to school with and their second cousins and their aunts and uncles and everybody else and that's where it becomes a really lonely time and i have learned over uh, over years that my very close friends and my relationships are the ones where where i build my family unit and i think that is a little bit what I was portraying also with these characters, they build their own so-called family unit within themselves as being immigrants in these big cities where you are quite anonymous, you know, in, in many ways. So there was another expression of a personal connection to the film. The making of the film enriched our lives and our lives enriched the making of the film. And it was kind of the symbiotic relationship yeah. in both directions uh, constantly throughout the whole uh, process. Um, and that's what I was saying. So I felt like sometimes our film was blurring the lines of reality and filmmaking because we were all going through so much during the filming. It sounds dangerous and delicious all at the same time. <laughs> it's a really good way to put it. Svetlana Svetko and David Scott Smith, thank you so much for uh, joining us to talk about your film, Show Me What You've Got. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you very much. Mark. Okay. We'll see you next time. It's a deal. Okay. It's a date. <laughs> <laughs> the three of us. I love this. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> thank you. If you'd like more information about the film, visit showmewhatyougot.film. Until next time, this is Mark Gordon, and I'll see you center stage. Center stage, center stage, center, center, center stage. Center stage. Hello, this is Homie Simpson. Whenever I want to know what's going on in the entertainment world, I listen to Center Stage with Mark Gordon. Hehe. <laughs>